Those with a drive to go have an undeniable calling. They are not content to simply have a transformative idea. They want to create and build. They want to wrestle challenges to the ground and bring solutions to scale. They are makers and doers. They are go-getters. Go-Getters features straight-up conversations with leaders on the forefront of change who are taking action to impact our world, just as Lehigh people have done for more than 150 years. Join us as we explore their challenges, their passions, and what makes them go. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Go-Getters podcast. This is Joe Buck, your host. We're here today with Laura Duffany, class of 2023, who hails from Puerto Rico. She's a junior, dual major in behavioral neurosciences and global studies. She's a Griffin and a 2021 recipient of the Contribution to Student Life Award, which recognizes underclass students who have helped increase the quality of student life here at Lehigh. She is part of Lehigh's Global Social Impact Fellowship Program and a lead member of the Sickle Cell Diagnostic Team. That team just won an award from the National Institutes of Health for an inexpensive device that they're developing to easily test for sickle cell disease. Laura's here today representing the team. Welcome, Laura. <laughs> Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Thank you for making the time. It's much appreciated. Uh, so you are from Puerto Rico. I am. I was actually originally adopted from China, but my parents raised me there. So. And so if I can do math correctly, class of 2023, you were likely a freshman or sophomore in high school in 2017 when Hurricane Maria devastated the island. Yes, that was September of 2017. I was a sophomore in high school when that ordeal went down. <laughs> It was, um, I, I, I can say I can only imagine never lived through something that, uh, that drastic, and it was certainly um, difficult to watch from, from afar. Could you talk a little bit about uh, the, the, the experience itself? Yeah, of course. So I live in an area called Umagao, Puerto Rico, which is about 45 minutes away from the actual city of San Juan. And the eye of the hurricane actually passed through Yabucoa, Puerto Rico, which is about 15 minutes away from my home. So I did experience the full extent of the hurricane. However, because my house isn't actually on sea level, I didn't experience, you know, the devastation of losing my home or like anything of that nature. Um, but I did watch communities around me suffer to that extent. So we did a lot of community service following the event. Um, I helped, you know, rebuild the infrastructure of my school by going there and removing debris and things like that. So it was definitely an impactful experience as we were out of power for six months um, and out of water for three weeks. So it was, you know, a time where I lived very close to nature. Yeah. And, and, um, for uh, such a young person, you, you've you've dealt with that. You've dealt with coronavirus um, uh, here at Lehigh, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But in between, in 2020, there was uh, an earthquake that devastated uh, Puerto Rico. And you told me before we started recording today that you were on the island for that experience as well. Yes. So the series of earthquakes occurred in December of 2020, I believe. So I was on the island. However, I wasn't on the side of the island that was devastated. So I have friends that were on the side of the island that experienced that. And it was very difficult to watch. Um, we did feel a little bit of the rumbling, but my home, again, was not necessarily affected directly. Hmm. 
that is uh, certainly a series of transformative events. And I, I'm interested in what impact have living through those experiences, how's that impacted your outlook on, I won't even say Lehigh, your outlook on life. What, what have you taken from living through those kinds of natural disasters and seeing those things happen around you? Those kind of events really force you to mature very quickly, I think, and it makes you really realize the value of the smaller things that are in your life. So, for example, living without power, living without water, it really makes you value the conveniences that we have in everyday life, such as turning on a light bulb or, you know, being able to flush a toilet. Like, you know what I mean? It's just very humbling yes. overall. And your family is on the island uh, currently and yes. everyone's doing well. Yes, everyone is well. Wonderful. Wonder. Yes, thank goodness is right. So how did you find your way to Lehigh from Puerto Rico? Is there is there was there a moment by which Lehigh presented itself to you? Can you talk a little bit about how you got here to South Mountain? Yes, absolutely. So there's actually this program at Lehigh called the Diversity Achievers Program. Um and they it's kind of an outreach program that reached out to me via email. I guess it just presented itself in my inbox one morning in my senior year of high school. And I decided, hey, like this is a great opportunity to visit a college campus that I've never been to before and really get a feel for what college life is like in the U.S. Because, you know, Puerto Rico is very far. So I jumped on that opportunity. I was accepted into the program and I was able to visit for three days. Um, automatically fell in love with the campus. It's just beautiful in October, the beginning of fall, as it is right now. Um, it was a little bit cold, <laughs> but I was able to ignore that just because of the sheer beauty of the campus. And like, I really felt a sense of community here um, that I would be interested at that time, you know, in developing for myself. Other than the cold, any surprises when you got here for that visit or any surprises when you got here as a freshman? Um. Other than the cold, I would say no, honestly. Um, I guess just the size of it, because I graduated in a class of 27. Following Hurricane Maria, about half of my graduating class left to the U.S. because of the, you know, the difficulty of the living there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just the size and the amount of people I just wasn't used to. And have you... Uh been able to stay in touch with those classmates, just circling back to Puerto Rico. I mean, oh, that, yes. if the students left, but but you've been able to build community there. Absolutely. Um, what is it that uh, uh, that that makes you such an overachiever? Rumor has it you played four sports in high school. Is that is that true? Yes, it is. What 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 were those sports? Um, volleyball, soccer. I swam and I ran. Now, one could say that with a, with a school class aside to 27, you had to play multiple sports Absolutely. in order for your school to field teams. But that certainly makes you uh, a, a bit of an overachiever or a go-getter, which is why you're here. <laughs> um, what, what, what is it that, that makes you uh, – that gives you that drive? What, what is it that makes you tick? I would say it just comes from being a multicultural individual just simply because I've always wanted to – expand or enhance my perspective on life. And that comes from taking part in different experiences that can help, you know, boost my sense of knowing about the world. And as someone who grew up with American parents on an island of Puerto Rico where the primary language is Spanish, I grew up learning both English and Spanish at the same time, despite the fact that I visibly looked Asian. So kind of reconciling that and then like, 
trying to decide who I am, I decided that the most important way to push myself forward was to become involved in all the different kinds of things that I could. Well, that's a, a very mature answer for a young person, and I, I commend you for the self-awareness. And uh, I, I could imagine it would have been easy to deal with imposter syndrome, given all of those things that you just explained, given your Chinese heritage, your American parents growing up on uh, on an island that is uh, Hispanic culturally and 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 language-wise. Uh, that that's quite profound, and uh, I I I will admit that I I would not have been uh, able to articulate such a sophisticated answer uh, at at the age of uh, twenty or or, or twenty one. Anything in your background that prom- prompted your interest in medicine and global health? What is the nexus of that uh, interest? Um, kind of as I stated earlier, like the multiculturalism, my passion for learning about that kind of sparked my interest in neuroscience, <clears throat> um, just because I'm interested in how the brain reacts to different kinds of situations that might be interdisciplinary. So um, health or medicine, I've just always been interested in as a way to learn about the brain's interactions with the world. And have you experienced or changed your thinking in terms of the connections between global studies and medicine? How do you see those two things coming together for you? I would just say that medicine has an impact globally, Mm -hmm. and it's one of those universal things that's present across different cultures. And, you know, treatment is something that may or may not change depending on what culture you're part of. But the goal in and of itself of treating a person remains the same. So I just found it as a universal force that connects us all. It certainly is. Uh, another universal force is um, Kanjan Meda and the Creative Inquiry <laughs> Program. Oh, yes. Could you, could you talk a little bit or explain a little bit for our listeners what the program is and how you got involved with it? Yeah, so the program for Creative Inquiry is just kind of an opportunity for students to become immersed in research and have an opportunity to make a global impact on the world. So because there are several projects that are centered within different countries, um, there's an opportunity to make impact in different places depending on what your interests are. And is that the same as the Global Social Impact Fellowship? Is that related to the Creative Inquiry Program or are those separate programs here at Lehigh? Right. So the Global Social Impact Fellowship is part of the Creative Inquiry um, to impact opportunity. So there are several. There's the Global Social Impact Fellowship. There's the Lehigh Valley um, Social Impact Fellowship. And there's one for um, sustainability and environmental awareness. What what have you found or what have you learned about yourself in working with a team and team dynamics uh, as part of the uh, GSIF? Um, I think it's just solidified my understanding of how making an impact globally in the context that we are healthcare. Um, it's just helped solidify my understanding of how different interdisciplinary backgrounds can come together to reach the same goal. Um, And our goal specifically on the sickle cell diagnostics team is to develop a point of care screening device for sickle cell disease in low to middle income countries. And that team uh, has just won an award from the National Institutes of Health. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Yes. And and, uh, 
it uh, also won fifteen thousand dollar debut. Well, that is it. It won a fifteen thousand dollar debut award um, for the for the machine itself. Could you describe a little bit for us what what the device, the kind of what it looks like or what it, how it works? Yeah. So the device was originally based off of a pregnancy test. So it's a lateral flow mechanism that kind of just requires that you deposit the sample onto the pad and it'll flow up naturally via capillary action. And then test lines will occur or appear based off of whether you have sickle cell disease or whether you don't. So because it's such a simple um, device in terms of how it works, it's very cost efficient. And so that's why it's a viable solution for low to middle income countries because Sierra Leone and other sub-Saharan African countries don't have the resources to provide for, you know, laboratory techniques that we have here in the U.S. And do you know, I don't know the stats on how severe uh, sickle cell disease is in sub-Saharan Africa. Is it um, uh, a a large scale uh, societal problem? Yes. Actually, 300,000 babies are born every year with sickle cell disease, and it's estimated that about 230,000 of those come from sub-Saharan Africa. So that's approximately 80% of the disease burden in the whole world. And if I understand the the nature of the Creative Inquiry program, you and your team did not start this project. Is that is that true? So did 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 it choose you or did you choose it? And, and tell me what happened b- before you got involved. Right. So the, the program has been obviously going on for a while, but the project, um, the Sickle Cell Project, has been in existence since the summer of 2018, I believe. So that's when two of our graduated members now, Maria Lancia, Yana Wing, and Ashley Crawford, I believe, they, believe, they um, started this as a capstone project, I believe, within the bioengineering department here. And um, someone had a connection to Kanjan and wanted to make it a larger scale project and an actual venture that had potential to continue throughout the years. So that's when they started recruiting members into the project. And then, you know, it's been like a series of cycling through several students and I joined in 2020. And and did you join knowing you wanted to do the project or you got into the program, then you choose the project in which you want to participate? How does it, technically, how does it work? Right. So when you apply to the GSIF program, they give you a list of which projects you think you would have the most impact in. And because of my interest in global studies and, you know, medicine or global health, I chose sickle cell diagnostics because I believed it best aligned with my interests. And that project has or will take you to Sierra Leone, correct? It will. It will. And the aforementioned team has been to Sierra Leone. Yes. Two of our senior members went in 2019 summer. Unfortunately, we haven't been back because of coronavirus, but hopefully in the winter this December, we'll be able to go. You're planning to go? Could you um, talk a little bit about your other current team members and and who they are and what their specialties are? Absolutely. So we have Tiffany Pang, who's a senior right now in the bioengineering department. She's probably the most involved in the actual lab research. She also filled out our social IRB for this um, this this summer when we were planning on going to Sierra Leone, but then it got canceled. Um, so that approval would have given us the opportunity to work within the community and interview individuals um, to kind of learn more about the prevalence of sickle cell disease in Sierra Leone. 
Um, so she had a very, very big hand in doing that. Um, there are 11 of us on the team right now, so I could go on forever explaining everyone else. Um, but one more person I'll mention is Alice Chen. She worked with us over the summer. Um, she's a current sophomore majoring in biochemistry. Um, and we just had a really good time with Tiffany working on the project over the summer. Culturally, how easy is the technology adoptable uh, in in Sierra Leone or in South in Sub-Saharan Africa? Do you know? Our project is called SIGLED, um, and the reason for that is because it's a student-led re research and for education and diagnostics of sickle cell disease. And the reason why there's an educational aspect to our project is because there is a cultural stigma present in Sierra Leone relating to the disease. Um, many individuals there, because they lack the knowledge on healthcare and just general education related to sickle cell disease um, specifically, they don't understand um, why these illnesses occur. So they think it's like a superstitious kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so part of our venture is focused on understanding how we can best present our project to or our product to um to individuals in the community. And and what are some of the routes that you've either hypothesized or experimented with in terms of education and communication? Is it schools? Is it employers? Is it healthcare? Is it via print media, radio? Like, tell me a little bit about um, what, what you all have hypothesized will work or you know will work as it relates to this education piece. So we want to approach it by talking to doctors and understanding how they have an effect within the community. Why do individuals in Sierra Leone go to doctors if they think that illnesses are superstition um, or related to superstition? Um, and so we want to really understand how those communications or how that interaction occurs so that we can then bring our product into the market and kind of distribute it without having to worry about people wondering whether the intentions are, you know, good. Have you have you come across or has the team experienced any skepticism from healthcare workers about the the technology or the the Western medicine angle of it? Actually, um, we are connected very well with this organization called World Hope International. Okay. And they have connections on the ground in clinics and other hospitals in Sierra Leone. So they've been working very hard to eliminate the, you know, the stigma that goes around about illnesses in Sierra Leone. Um, so that's more their job. Um, but we come in and we present our product to World Hope International and they use us as, you know, further evidence for why healthcare diseases are not related to superstition. And they have established credibility and they're using your technology to advance healthcare. You're using their credibility to get your message to doctors. It, it may be analogous to a trained trainer as opposed to talking to the masses, you're talking to the doctors that are treating patients about what role can they play in early detection of sickle cell. Absolutely. Sounds amazing. <clears throat> Uh, I I understand from uh, uh, from a little bit of our research that you were recently in Florida, but I don't think it was for a vacation. Is that true? <laughs> Correct. Tell me more. So we were in Florida for the Biomedical Engineering Society National, you know, or annual meeting. 
Um, so what they do there is they present, it's just an opportunity for students to present abstracts as they relate to the projects they've been working on, the ventures that they're involved in. So two of our team members, Dream and Tiffany, they're seniors right now, they um, presented an abstract about our work um, as part of the sickle adventure. And um, we were also there to receive the debut award that we mentioned before. Um, however, that took place online. So the main part of the conference was attending the abstract poster presentation. And a little bit of, maybe not vacation, but a little bit of fun I hope was had. Yes, of okay, course. wonderful. Good. <laughs> um, circling back to Sierra Leone, is there something particular that you're really looking forward to going into it? Um, I would say that I'm excited to work on the project as it relates to human interaction because our device has not yet been tested on actual patients yet. We're using purified blood so that we can optimize the sensitivity and specificity of the device. So once we achieve that in the lab, we're just really looking forward to having the opportunity to test it on real patients. And will that be something that your team does or will the next generation of this team test on real patients? What, 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 what's, your, uh, what's your thoughts there? Time will tell. Uh-huh. <laughs> We're currently in the lab optimizing the sensitivity and specificity of the device with the purified blood. So hopefully by the time summer comes around, we'll have optimized it to the point where it will be specific enough to test on real patients. Uh, can I get you, uh, put you on the spot and, and hopefully you will commit to, well, A, we all hope that you make it to Sierra Leone. And if you do, will you come back and do a little follow-up uh, interview with me so we can hear about uh, about about your trip and all that you were able to accomplish? Go-Getters is honored to highlight Lehigh women who are making an impact during Soaring Together, a celebration of 50 years of co-education. Soaring Together includes events, projects, and programs like this podcast, led by students, faculty, and staff from all areas of the university. The celebration shines a light on women's accomplishments and the strength and pride they bring to our community and our world. To hear their stories and join the celebration, visit lehigh.edu slash soaringtogether. Let me transition back to to Lehigh a little bit. In addition to all of these wonderful things you're doing, I have come to learn that you are a head griffin. Yes. In the Office of Residential Life. Um, I I will venture a guess that most of the folks listening to this podcast will know what a griffin is, but could you talk a little bit about what it means to be the head griffin? Oh, man. So a griffin just in and of itself is an individual on campus who is responsible for obtaining or maintaining the well-being of like the residents in the buildings on campus and making sure that the building itself is respected and taken care of. Um, As head griffin, you're responsible for a staff that, you know, does all those wonderful things. And um, I have my own residence as well. So I guess my experience being a head griffin has been kind of a journey, a roller coaster, one would say, just because of how much I've had to deal with it as it relates to coronavirus. Um, I was a sophomore when I was when I first joined the residence life staff as just a Griffin, mm-hmm. um, and that's when our first COVID semester in person um, occurred. So at that time, I had ten residents because everyone had singles. Um, And I was able to really foster a sense of community with them just because of how little of them there were or how few of them there were. Um, And I really feel like that hasn't happened this year just because I have 42 (laughs) now. Everyone's in doubles. There's so much going on all the time. 
And um, so I guess the comparison there is pretty drastic. And so I, I want to lean into that, that a little bit and relate it back to your involvement with the, the device team and your leadership there. You have established yourself and demonstrated remarkable leadership skills. Would you talk a little bit about from the device team to being a griffin for 10 students in singles to being a head griffin to being a griffin for 42 students? How has your views on leadership changed or evolved and how do you how do you see yourself as a leader? Well, um, that's a very profound question. Um, I guess I would start off by saying that in becoming a student leader as just a normal griffin, um, I feel like I've had the opportunity to really develop myself personally and understand how interdisciplinary com communication with, you know, people who don't always share your same interests or, you know, have the same level of understanding of campus operations in general can help me grow and how I can help them grow in turn. So um, I would say that as head griffin now <laughs> and how and as a leader of our team project um, or our team venture as part of the sickle ed team, um, I've really been able to come into a better sense of who I am interdisciplinarily, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. And thank you for, for sharing it. Outside of being a head griffin and, and the head of the sickle ed or one of the heads of the sickle ed team, uh, what else What else do you do at Lehigh outside of the classroom? Um, so I am an aspiring MD-PhD. Ah. <laughs> Hopefully. We'll see how that goes. Um, so I helped found a club on campus called the Lehigh Medical Club. And that's just for pre-med students where we can share resources. And I'm, you know, a big community builder. I'm not sure if you picked up on that throughout just, our conversation. Just a little bit. Um, so I just kind of want to help create an inclusive and collaborative community within the pre-med um, the pre-med collective of students that we have here at Lehigh, because I know how competitive and some would say somewhat toxic environment medical school can be um, with everyone trying to achieve like their sense of individualism. So just the pre-med club, Lehigh Medical Club, is meant to, you know, take that away. What, um, you know, you've done, you've done so much, you've demonstrated leadership, your, your values for uh, diversity and inclusion. What advice would you have for incoming Lehigh students? Um, I would say just don't be afraid to ask for help when you need it. Don't be afraid to reach out to the community of leaders that there are on campus because they are there because they've demonstrated a sense of understanding of how different different communities can come together. Um, we are primarily builders of this community and we want to see everyone succeed. So just don't be afraid to ask for help or for advice along the way. Um, there are, you know, protocols in place that allow for that information to be spread through G-chats, things like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I think, I you know, think, you know, for myself being part of the Lehigh administration, I've watched the university take uh, some some initiative and some ownership of the uh, diversity, inclusion, or inclusiveness of the environment and and the campus climate. There's much work to be done, uh, but but I I would ask you what what advice would you give 
you know, the administration? Or what advice would you give Lehigh as it relates to creating the kind of community that you want to see here? Hmm. That's also a profound question. Um, I would say just pay close attention to what the students are asking for. Check your emails, you know, make sure that you're on top of what the students want to see moving forward, because these are the generations that will bring in the future. So these are the people that are going to help move our community forward. So just be attentive to the students. A few moments ago, you mentioned your your interest in medicine or uh, public health PhD program. Um, only a junior, so you still have some time left. But have you have you made any decisions about what your post Lehigh career will look like? Um, well, hopefully, in the pursuit of an MD PhD, I will have the opportunity to work very closely in policy as it relates to public health. Um, I think that I could make an impact in working in places such as the National Institute of Health um, or even just as a physician who does research on the side. Um, I could be a professor. I'm not sure, honestly. I have a lot of different um, ideas in my head about where I could go with what I'm doing now. Well, you certainly don't have to know today. You will have <laughs> yeah. to know at some point or just enjoy the journey. Right? Yes, absolutely. Have there been particular faculty members or uh, adults kind of in your life here at Lehigh that have helped to shape your thinking or that you expect will influence how you approach uh, the, the you know MD uh, public health PhD programs? Um, I would say that I've just been inspired by the passion that a lot of my professors have shown in their teaching. Um, I was honestly very surprised coming to campus and seeing how well the professors were able to create relationships with students who desired that. Um, going to office hours, you know, they actually cared about the well-being of the students. And that's not something that I expected from, you know, professors who had to deal with over 100 people in their, in their, um, in their lecture halls. Um, but I think that the connections that I've been able to make with my professors have really inspired me to keep going in what I want to do and really develop my intellectual understanding of what can help, you know, enhance my perspective on life. Is there anything, you have a year and a half left, right? And it probably feels like you lost a year, but if you think about a year and a half left in your undergraduate time here at Lehigh, is there anything on your bucket list that you feel like you, you have to get done? I would say just continue to develop a sense of community on campus, um, really see my Lehigh Medical Club through to the end, hoping that like by the time I leave it, it's sustainable enough to keep growing um, because it was founded literally last year in the midst of COVID. Yep. Um, I hope to leave an impact on the Office of Residence Life where it can train individuals to really inspire them and hope to continue to make an impact on the new generations of Lehigh students. I just want to look back on my Lehigh experience and see the impact that I made. Well, you've already made an impact. <laughs> and I know that you will continue to make an impact. And I, 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 as a data point of one, I'm rooting for you. I know that, uh, that, our, that the rest of our alumni will be rooting for you. Look forward to following your 
progress, tracking your impact. And I look forward to engaging with you as an alum. You know, you will be an alum of this institution forever. And I hope that you will stay involved and connected with Lehigh and continue to have impact and continue to challenge us to develop our community on some of those important dimensions that you uh, that you mentioned earlier. So I, I want to say thank you for, for making the time to be with us today. I do have one more question. It's it, While it's not an original question, it is one that I like to end our, uh, our podcast with. And it is um, simply, uh, is there anything that you're certain of? Anything that I'm certain of? Let's see. As it relates to my Lehigh life, as it relates to my research? I would say as it relates to life full stop, is there anything in life for which you are certain? Um, I would just say that it keeps going. Life keeps going. And I think that um, by continuing to inspire individuals on campus, I think that they can reach their full potential here and life will continue in the sense that they'll understand how much of an impact they can have on other individuals. Laura Duffany, class of 2023 at Lehigh, it's been a real pleasure. You are a true asset to our community and you bring forth all of the characteristics that we would want all of our students to to aspire to. And I want to thank you for, for all that you've done and all that you will do for Lehigh. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much. This has been Go-Getters, a podcast from Lehigh University, hosted by Joe Buck, Vice President for Development and Alumni Relations. We are the Sickle team and are working together to create a low-cost, point-of-care screening device for sickle cell disease in Sierra Leone. We are an interdisciplinary student-led research team of 11 undergrad students, which are Alice Shen, Connor Calzone, Rolla Duffany, Katie Guerrero, Dream Intellectualism, Heidi Shen, Zen Lin, Wei Nai, Tiffany Pang, Thomas Perillo, and Wendy Wang. We all work closely with our professor, faculty advisor, Professor Sean Hongshang. Special thanks to producer Janet Norwood, media production specialist Jarrett Brown, and the Lehigh University Office of Development and Alumni Relations. We would like to give special thanks to our principal investigator, Dr. Sean Hong Chen, who specializes in diagnostics and microfluids and uses her individual expertise to guide the project's development in its technical and social areas. Along with that, we would also like to give special thanks to Vice Pro host Kanjan Mehta, where he serves as a mentor in the Global Social Impact Fellowship and guides the project in exploring social entrepreneurship and sustainable change. Also, special thanks to our previous team members, Ashley, Maria, and Yana, and many other students who participated and built the foundation for the current team. To learn more about our award-winning team and our important works, see our episode at lehigh.edu slash go-getters. And don't forget to subscribe to Go-Getters on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or your podcast app of choice. And take a moment to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts so other listeners can find us. Thank you for listening.